end, I need you to find five people and wish them a happy Memorial Day. You got to find five people and greet them and wish them a happy Memorial Day. All right, five people. Don't cheat the process and only go to four. Find five people. Tell them happy Memorial Day. Tell them you're glad to see them. Give them a handshake, a high five. Find those five people. Once you've found five, then you can go back to your seats. But we just want to say we're excited to see you. Thank you for standing. You may have a seat. We're in Daniel chapter number six this morning. Daniel chapter number six. We've been going right through the book of Daniel. And we're in Daniel chapter number six in our series entitled Emotions. And we've been looking at our moods that tend to manage us or manipulate us. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've let a mood determine the outcome and the course of my day. It's led to all kinds of problems. It's led to me treating people poorly. It's led to problems with just coworkers. And it's even led to problems in my parenting. Why? Because of a mood. They say never discipline a child when you're upset. You say, why is that? Send the child to a room before you go and deal with the situation. Because sometimes when we're upset, we'll go deal with the situation. And, and you got to remember, they're six years old. You're 35, all right? So all of a sudden, your intimidation can mean a lot to a six-year-old. But if you give yourself some time, even though you're frustrated, then you're not letting the mood manipulate you to saying something. You later come back and say, wow, that was a little bit harsh. Wow, I maybe got a little bit too vocal with my child or something like that. So we're looking at how to manage our moods. And it's one thing to manage our moods when everything's going well. Have you noticed that? Man, when, when things are good, it's easy to be happy. When you've had a cup of coffee or two, it's, it's a little bit easier to be in a good mood. But what about when everything's going wrong? That's the test of whether or not we are having our controlling our emotions. And that's what I enjoy about this character of Daniel because in chapter one, we meet Daniel. And Daniel's taken from his homeland of Jerusalem. And he's carted off 900 miles away to the city of Babylon. His name has changed. They try to change his identity. They try to change his religion. They try to change everything about him. And even not just that, all the trials and difficulties he and his companions went through. We talked about the fiery furnace. We talked about his life being on the line when it came to the dreams. And so you just saw Daniel over and over just had a great spirit, a great attitude. I remember one Christmas, my Aunt Jackie came over and Aunt Jackie always got the best presents. Did any of you ever have a relative that they just got the best presents? Any of you? You had a few of them. Some of you, your relatives just didn't like you apparently, okay? So only two of us in the room had relatives that liked us, okay? And so maybe the story won't relate, but for me it relates. And uh, Aunt Jackie would come over and she would get the best gifts, And so what she would typically do is call my parents sometime in July, and she liked to get things done early. So she would buy whatever we were kind of into. And so when Christmas came, and I'm excited to open up my presents from Aunt Jackie, and it was a big box, and you're excited when it was a big box when you're just a little kid. And I I tore into the packaging, and I unwrapped it, and I pulled out what was, anybody remember the micro machines? This is a throwback, you know? Those are pretty cool. And I got this big micro machine set and had all the little toy cars. But here's the only problem. I had already moved on to something else. 
I was into Legos at this time because she bought the gift in the summertime. And by that time, I was into Legos. And so I don't hide my feelings all that well. Some of you can hide your feelings. I don't. It's really hard. My wife has to like, you know, stop me on my toes to get me to smile when somebody says, hey, you want to meet my baby? Isn't she beautiful? And you're like, yeah, yes. Prettiest baby, you know, the head cone shave, you know, and you're trying to lie. And it's not good for pastors to lie. And nobody should lie, but it's especially bad. And you're trying to say things like, oh, she's got a great personality, you know, like it's a baby. And you're talking about its personality already. And, uh, you know, so this Christmas, I could not hide my emotions. And man, I was just devastated. In, in the Ermler household, it's kind of a running game that somebody's going to cry at Christmas. I don't know if your household was the same as ours. Growing up, somebody always cried. Well, apparently that was my year to cry because I opened it up and I didn't want micro machines by this time. I wanted Lego, so I just couldn't hide it. And my Aunt Jackie, she is the type that she takes a lot of time to get your gift. She wants to make sure the gift she gets you is exactly what you wanted. And she didn't go cheap. She went all out. And I remember not being able to hide my emotions. And I remember my mom saying, Micaiah, what do you say? And I said, thank you. But it was the most sad, pitiful thank you you've ever heard. You could tell there was not genuine gratitude in that statement. And here's what happened after that. Because of my reaction, every year after that, Aunt Jackie got sweaters. She's like, we're done getting toys. You're going to get a sweater. And you know when it comes to Christmas and the sweater, it's normally not a great sweater. This is something that, you know, you're just kind of like, well, the Goodwill could use it, I'm sure. You know, it's just one of those. Why? Because of my reaction. You see, there was a gap between what I experienced and what I expressed. I think too often there's a gap between what we experience and what we express. We woke up this morning with air in our lungs, with a roof over our head. We woke up this morning with God's grace on our life, but yet did we stop and be grateful? You see, there was an experience we had. I know you didn't have as much money in the bank as you want. I know you still got a problem and you still have bills, but there were some great things that happened this morning. It was a beautiful sunny morning, and yet we can take the experience and we can never express our gratitude. And I call this message the gratitude gap because I look at us and I look at this chapter and I look at Daniel and I see that he had it. You see, whatever we experience, we should express gratitude. Now, here's the thing about me. I'm not great at expressing gratitude. I'm really not. There are some of you, you are so good at having a good attitude, it makes me a little bit sick. I'm a little bit jealous that you're just more spiritual than I am. You're just nothing ever, even when things go wrong, you just never have a bad attitude. I mean, anything could happen. You're still just rejoicing and praising the Lord, and you're just upbeat about it. Me, like I said, I am not good at this, but I'm growing in the grace of gratitude. And if you find yourself here this morning, you're saying, you know what? I'm not really good at gratitude, but I'm hoping to challenge you that you can grow in the grace of gratitude, that you would fill in the gap 
of gratitude, where there's an experience that God has allowed you to experience and what you express, that you fill that gap in. But let's turn our attention to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to see how powerful this is illustrated in this passage. Daniel chapter 6 is probably, for many of us, if we grew up in the church, you're familiar with this. And even if you didn't grow up in the church, you may have heard of this passage of scripture. You say, why? We commonly refer to Daniel chapter 6 as Daniel in the lion's den. And this is a pretty well-known story, but if it's not, you're going to love this story. This is a great story. You can make a movie out of this passage alone. It's just gripping. It's so good. I love looking at the Bible. So let's look at verse number one. The Bible says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, notice this, verse number three. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his excellent spirit that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse number four. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. How many want to hire employees like this? Wouldn't this be great? If you're a manager or a boss, this is the type of employee you want to hire, all right? So verse number six. So these administrators and satraps went out as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict. Now, that's a lie. They didn't all agree. Daniel would not agree on this edict that they're about to propose. They said, and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be replaced. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Here's what's amazing. Here's what I admire about Daniel. The circumstances weren't great, were they? It wasn't like, hey, everything is going in your way, so now you have a lot to be grateful for. I find that I hold my gratitude hostage to my circumstances. I don't know if you're like me, but if things are going well, then excellent. Now I'm grateful. But if things are not going grateful then get, or good, then I hold hostage my gratitude. I don't want to praise God. I don't want to be thankful. I want to hold it hostage. But here's the thing about Daniel. Daniel decided many chapters ago the type of attitude he was going to have. And we see, and really it began in chapter number one, where he was preferred above all the other princes. Why? Because of a spirit. Chapter two, it talked about Daniel's spirit. Chapter four, it talked about Daniel's spirit. Chapter five, it talked about his good spirit. And then we come again to chapter six. He was preferred above everyone else in the kingdom. Why? Because of his spirit, his attitude. And his attitude was the one, it's cliche, but it was one of gratitude. And so we're coming to this Memorial Day, and I can't think of a more fitting message than on today. Because we look around our country, we're going to enjoy a barbecue, we're going to enjoy festivities, we're going to enjoy some time with family, and Lord willing, we're going to enjoy game seven with the Warriors defeating the uh, Rockets on Monday night. You know, uh, maybe we should stop and pray about that, but uh, we're, we're grateful. Some of us, we're grateful this morning because the Warriors won. 
and it's affected our mood. That's why you're in a good mood. And, uh, but what if they would have lost? Would that have affected our mood? For some of us, you say, absolutely. Why? Because we tie our moods sometimes to the situation we're in. So when things aren't going well, we're not doing well. Instead of like Daniel, Daniel wasn't holding his praise hostage. Daniel, matter of fact, I, I don't know if I'd be as brave as Daniel. Daniel goes up to his bedroom. He opens the window so everyone can see, and he's going to praise, and he's going to thank his God. You see, that's boldness. Sometimes we're embarrassed when we're in a restaurant, when we're at work, to stop before we partake of our meal and give God thanks. I was in Ojai, California, and I was driving up, and uh, we stopped at a Panda Express, and my family was there. And anytime I see this, I always stop, and I always thank the people that when they do this. I saw families, about five children, and it was family, they were on vacation, and they were coming up, driving up the 101, and we were stopping there, and I looked over, and I saw them pray, and it just touched me. Does that just touch you when you see another family in a public restaurant just stop and pray? I just, I admire that because I know a lot of people in America call themselves Christian, and I think that's just a great statement where we just stop and say, you know, I'm going to be thankful for the food that I'm about to eat, and I'm just going to give God a moment here, and so I went up to them, and I started talking to them, and Lo and behold, we both had a bunch of mutual connections. He's a news anchor in Tennessee, and uh, he has a great testimony, and he goes to a great church there. And we had a great conversation, all because why? He said, you know what? I don't care if I'm in a public place. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm going to give glory and thanks to my God. What a testimony, not just to me, but to his children. We were driving yesterday, and my wife was talking about what are the habits that we want our children to have. And the first one, she said, I want them to have a habit of prayer, so we pray with them every night. The other habit we want them to have is a habit of gratitude. But how many of you know it's not gratitude if you have to force them to say thank you? I'm a young parent, and so I'm teaching my children once they get something, and what do you say? And they say, thank you. How many know that's not really gratitude, is it? It's not gratitude. But how many times does a preacher got to get up on a Sunday morning and remind us about what God's done for us? And then we got to come back and be like, thank you, God. Instead of it being natural. Instead of us looking around and saying, God, help me be gratitude, be grateful. Help me to give you gratitude. Here's the thing about Daniel. Daniel was preferred. Daniel was honored. Why? And it was because of his spirit. Some of us, we would see promotions. We would see God's blessing if we would just change that part in our life. You say, well, you don't understand, Pastor, the boss that I have. I know, we've all worked with a bad boss. Oh, you just don't understand. The marriage I have right now, it's really rough. You know, we've all gone through those patches in marriage where it's not really easy. Oh, you just don't understand my children. My children are away from God. My children are rebellious. My children are different. Your children are children. That's what children do. That's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. They need that training. It doesn't just come naturally. It has to be trained. You have to work with them. So there are situations that you and I, yes, we're both going to face, but how can we face it? It's with this attitude. And you may be sitting here this morning thinking, well, I need God to do some things. Look at the life of Daniel. It says that he was preferred. Why? Because of his spirit. Would you write this down? And would you put this in your notes somewhere? Because I think it'll help you. My spirit makes me special. Did you catch it there in the passage? Daniel got promoted. Daniel got honored. And it was because of his spirit. They didn't say because he was the most talented guy. He's over 80 years old. He's not in the prime anymore. He's in his twilight years. But yet they said there's something about Daniel that's just head and shoulders above everybody else. 
And you may distinguish yourself simply by the spirit that you exhibit, the spirit that you give off. Today, I think too often we can hold our spirit hostage. But here's the amazing thing that I love about this passage. And this may rub some of you wrong, but God didn't give him this spirit. Let me stop for a second. This is not the Holy Spirit we're talking about. We're talking about his attitude. God didn't give him that. Some of you look at somebody else and like, oh, God just gave him a good attitude. No, he didn't. Daniel chose this. You see, some of us are looking for a reason to rejoice. Daniel didn't have a reason to rejoice, did he? You see, because he prayed, he was now guilty and going to be sent to the lion's den. But it didn't stop him, did it? You see, some of us are waiting for God to give us this spirit of gratitude. God, just give me this spirit. Just make me grateful for this. But God is saying, no, no, no. Get grateful. Fill in the gap. There's a gap between what we experience and what we express, so let's fill it in with gratitude. This morning, the challenge is for us to get grateful, no matter what the politics may be, no matter what the economy may be, no matter what your home life may be. If you start filling with gratitude, you'll see things drastically change. Some of you say, hey, I don't have the marriage I want to have. How about you start being grateful for that spouse that God gave you? How about every day you wake up and you look at your wife and say, you're the most wonderful, amazing, beautiful woman I've ever seen. and I'm the luckiest person to be married. Do that 30 days straight. I guarantee your marriage will change. You say, well, you don't understand. My children, they're away from God. Get up every morning and say, I'm so grateful for my son. I'm so grateful for my daughter. You are the most amazing, smart, wonderful person I could possibly imagine. I'm so blessed to get to be your parent. You will see a change in that child. You say, you don't understand my job. It's difficult. You don't understand my boss. You want to make your boss just a head spin? Just tell him, hey, I really am grateful for this. I'm so thankful. I've shared this story with you, and I'll share it again. On my birthday one time, I was working in another church, and the pastor I was serving under, he, uh, uh, we were going to McDonald's. He's just like, hey, let me buy everybody McDonald's. And one of the other staff members is like, hey, it's Micaiah's birthday, and uh, we're going to McDonald's. And I was like, no, it's fine. He's paying. I'm, I'm fine. I said, here's the thing. Because he gave me a job, I was able to buy a car. Because he gave me a job, I was able to buy a house. Because he gave me a job, my wife actually married me. Because he gave me a job, it opened up all these opportunities. So if the McDonald's is it today, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday. Because I'm grateful. I don't need circumstance to be better. I don't need to have filet mignon. And some of us are thinking, God, if you just give me filet mignon, then I'll really be grateful. There's a biblical test, uh, 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 principle. It's he that's faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much. So if you can learn to get grateful for the little that God has given you, don't you think he'll want to give you more? How many had that child that you didn't have to tell them to say, thank you as you served them dessert? And man, when the other kids weren't looking, you're like, yes, you were my favorite. Here's a couple extra scoops because you had a grateful heart. God is the exact same way. He's looking for some children who are grateful, who are saying, God, you know what? My car's a little bit old. It's on its last legs, but thank you that it got me here. I don't know if it's going to get me home, but it got me here. And maybe the pastor will give me a ride home. So I'm just glad my car got me here. So I'm grateful for it. If we just start getting grateful, you'll see our spirit. It's what makes us special. This week, I walked out to my truck and I looked at the bottom of my truck and I saw that something was wrong with it. There was this 
wire hanging down at the back. And I was thinking, that's odd. I didn't leave it in my truck like that. And I realized something was missing. You say, what was missing from the back of your truck? The spare tire. You see, on the truck that I have, they put the spare tire underneath the truck bed. And you have to use a little winch, and it drops the wire down. And I was thinking, hmm, I didn't change my tire in the middle of the night last night. I, I, I was asleep. I would have remembered if I would have done that. And then it hit me. My spare tire has been stolen. It's gone. And immediately I was frustrated. Immediately I was upset. I was like, these tires are expensive. They're over $250 a tire, but it's not just the tire that's gone. It's also the rims. Now I got to buy a rim. Now I got to take it to the shop and I got to get the size. It's going to take half my day. And I got so frustrated. And then it was like the Holy Spirit just kind of, do you know what you're preaching on this week? Shut up, Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear you right now. I don't want to talk about this, you know. And all of a sudden, my flesh and my spirit started to have a little battle about being grateful. And God said, hey, can you be grateful for this? Can you be grateful they took the tire, not the truck? I was like, man, you got me. Can you be grateful that they only took the tire? They didn't do any harm to your home. Can you be grateful that, you know what, they didn't come back later on? Can you be grateful for this thing? You see, Daniel finds himself in a difficult situation, and it's his spirit that made him special. It's that spirit. And guess what? God didn't give it. He had to choose it. This morning, God's not going to give it to you. You're going to have to choose it. And will you make the decision to fill in the gap with your gratitude? The gap is what changes everything. You see, because he had this spirit, that, that gap, that he filled it in, and God did something great. Uh, there's a book I'm reading right now by Brene Brown entitled The Gift of Imperfection. And she says, the happiest people exhibit gratitude and make the most out of everything. She's a psychologist and really well-renowned. And so I looked at that quote and I thought, how true is that? Grateful people are happier people. And if you will start going through life and saying, God, I'm grateful for what you've done. I met one person recently. They keep a gratitude journal. They write down everything they're grateful for because they don't want anything to slip through. They don't want anything to not, not, not be recognized that God, you did this. And some of us are like, but pastor, you don't understand my circumstances right now. They're very difficult. Can I read a scripture that came across this week in Deuteronomy 32? It's interesting because the scripture in Deuteronomy 32 verse 11 says, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. You say, what do you mean stirs up its nest? Here's what an eagle will do. When an eagle says it's time for its chickens or whatever eagle it's to leave the nest, it starts making the nest uncomfortable. It starts taking out the soft padding. It starts taking off some of the twigs. It starts breaking the thing that's keeping them at that level. And God is saying, that's what I'm doing with you sometimes. I'm stirring that nest. Some of you are like, man, my job used to be so good, but what's going on with it? There's some uncertainty right now. There used to be so much certainty in my marriage, and now it's kind of uncertain. What's God doing? God is stirring the nest because he doesn't want you to stay at that level. He wants you to soar at a higher level. But some of us are like, no, God, this nest is so safe, and it's so comfortable, and it's so wonderful. And God's like, no, no, i got to move you on to something else because God's going to do something in chapter 6. But he had to move Daniel from a place where he was secure to a place he was insecure. And God's going to do it in your life and my life. But because of his spirit, I want to see that it not only made him special, but because of his spirit, it also made him stand out. Everybody noticed him because why? His spirit. It wasn't his clothing. It wasn't his attire. It wasn't his uh, uh, social media status. It wasn't the car that he drove, the home that he lived in. It was because of his spirit. Some of you, you want to stand out. You want to be recognized. It's the spirit within you. It's that spirit that says, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to behave differently. Where everybody else can look at me and say, I know that man. 
man, I know that woman is going through a difficult time, but look at their attitude. Look at the spirit with which they're handling it. It's a spirit that I want. It was said of Joshua and Caleb that they got to go into the promised land because they were men of a different spirit. Because they were the two out of an entire generation that said, we're well able. We can go and take the promised land. We can go and do it. If we have some church people say, I've got that spirit that helps me. God says, that spirit will make you stand out. You want to uh, differentiate yourself in your job? Start having a spirit that says, God, I want to honor you with my spirit. But not only did a spirit make him stand out, but verse number 10, would you look at it again? The Bible says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled down upon his knees three times a day. He says, I'm going to give God the praise. I'm going to give him gratitude. You see, not only does it help us stand out, but it helps us step out. He was going to step out into position. He said, God, I know this is difficult, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what I have. You see, we talked about our children forming habits. Praise needs to be a habit. And it shouldn't be based on what happens to us. But too often, our praise is connected to what happens to us. And not just a habit. That God, I'm just in the habit of praise. I'm just grateful. My dad, growing up, he would always say, well, praise the Lord. I got up one morning, and his favorite team, the, the NFL Packers, they were, they were playing on Super Bowl Sunday. I said, Dad, are you excited for the Packers today? And he said, no, I'm excited for church, praise the Lord. And then the Packers lost. And I asked him later, I was like, good thing you were excited about church because nothing else exciting happened after that, all right? So make sure you had your priorities right. You see, here in this passage, he was willing to step out. His spirit led him to step out. And when you have that right spirit, it'll let you to step out. You see, he had a plan, and that plan was to praise God. No matter the place, he was going to praise God. Here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Gratitude is never invisible or silent. Gratitude is never invisible or silent. You ever met with somebody, and they're going to pray, and they're like, I'm just going to kind of pray and real real silently. And, and you know, you're like, wait a minute. Gratitude is never invisible or silent. We should be grateful. We should express it. Daniel prayed as he had a time. He prayed again and again. It was a habit for him. You see, he wasn't going to hide his praise. He wasn't going to allow his demeanor to determine his decision to praise God. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to have the right attitude. And too often, unexpressed gratitude is a lost opportunity to give God praise. When we don't express it, we're missing an opportunity. But I think about this. Why do we as Christians need a reason to rejoice? Any of you remember the final year when Oprah went off the air? You remember watching that? Oh, we're too spiritual. We don't watch Oprah. I forgot. Okay, I see. All right, only I watched Oprah, I guess. Okay, so that final year, Oprah was doing her favorite things, and she was giving away all this stuff. Well, on one episode, she was given a $120 bag of popcorn away. This popcorn was $120. And the clip I was trying to show you, I couldn't get it to show it to you. People are going nuts. They're crying. They're stomping. Some are falling on their knees. They're falling on each other. They're fainting. They're going ballistic because why? They got a $120 tub of popcorn. And I thought, God, I am saved from an eternal hell. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me who is changing me and transforming me, who fills me with breath and life, who gives me joy, who gives me the sunrise in the morning, who gives me the cool evening uh, dawn, and who blesses me day in and day out. And I can't give God a praise like that. I just sit quietly in church, and I just kind of act like God's frozen, chosen. I never get excited about the things that God is doing. I don't get excited when on Mother's Day we had six people saved. I don't get excited how last week we had a baptism service. I don't get excited as a church is expanding. I don't get excited about anything. I'm just God's frozen chosen. Amen, Pastor. Amen. 
We just say it real quietly. We don't get excited about it. We don't clap. We don't worship God. It's time that we say, God, I'm not going to hold my praise silent. I'm going to give you a great praise because you died on a cross for me. I wasn't worthy of it, but God, you died for me. And I think that's enough to give God some praise, don't you? I think it's enough to worship God and say, thank you. If God never does anything else for us, but he sent his son to die for us, that's enough to be grateful for. Because if people know how to give gratitude for popcorn, where are we as God's children and we lack gratitude? I know things are difficult. I know things are tough, but it reveals to me, and this is the hardest part, it reveals that usually gratitude ends where entitlement begins. Let me park on that. Gratitude ends where entitlement begins. If ever there was an entitled generation, it's today. But here's the thing. Let me get real honest. This is, this, is, this is where you were praising a minute ago. You may not praise. I see more, how can I say it, entitlement in the church than anywhere else. Yeah. I'll have people walk in. Well, I want them to play this song, and I want the, the seats to be like this, and I'm not going to attend this church because he speaks a little bit loud, and he kind of gets in my face. I just want him to go deep. If he's not going deep, you know, here's the problem. It's not about you need to go deeper. It's you need to apply what you already know. God doesn't need to reveal more revelation to you. We need to obey what he's already revealed. You see, gratitude is where entitlement ends, but we are this entitled generation. Let me break it down. It's where we used to get to has become a got to. You say, what do you mean? It used to be that you couldn't wait to get married to her or him, but now it's oh, married to him, married to her. It used to be you couldn't wait to get to that job. You couldn't wait to tell everybody how good your job is. Oh, I'm going to work. I have to work on Memorial Day. Everybody else gets a three-day weekend or a four-day weekend, and I'm having to go to work for four hours. Can you believe it? You have a job. God has provided for you. It may not be as much as you want. God has blessed you. But yet here we have this entitlement generation. I look at the church and we're entitled. We think, God, you owe me somehow. Daniel nowhere in this passage feels entitled because he knew that every blessing and every good thing comes from above, from the father of light with whom is no variableness, with no changing, that God blessed it. And so we as a church need to say, God, I'm going to get grateful. I'm going to fill in the gap with gratitude. No longer am I going to be entitled. I'm not going to be entitled with what I think I deserve. I'm going to start getting grateful. I'm going to start getting thankful. It's not I got to preach. I can't wait to preach. It's not I got to pray. I can't wait to pray. It's not, I got to love my wife. It's, I can't believe I get to love my wife. It's not, I got to raise up these kids. I can't believe God blessed me with these kids. It's not that I got to go wave a sign in the parking lot. It's that I get to wave a sign in the parking lot. It's not that I got to go set up. It's that I get to go set up at the church. It's not that I got to go tithe. It's that I get to tithe. It's not that I got to serve God. It's that I get to serve God. It's not something I'm just going to hold hostage. This is something for God. And I'm grateful that he lets me do it. That God said, Hey, if we are not, going to do what he wants us. The rocks will cry out. Literally rocks will do what we're supposed to do. And so here we have this attitude of entitlement where one time, and it happens in the church, we used to be so faithful. Couldn't wait. They asked me to serve in nursery. They asked me to teach. They asked me to be involved. And two or three weeks goes by and we don't see you again. We got so entitled. Well, I wanted the pastor to preach like this and we're a church plant. We're new. And so we get new people. And I, I don't mean to just park it here for a minute, but we get a lot of people. They come in and they see a young church and they think, well, this is a good place, but it'd be better if they just did X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Whatever my idea is. Instead of saying, no, 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 this is the way it is. Our church exists to reach those who are far from God. 
to help people find and follow Jesus. And we're not going to change it. This is what God wants. This is what we've established. This is what it's here for. And so we're not going to, we're not going to look entitled. We're going to start getting grateful. And here's another thing. Gratitude should be verbalized, not just internalized. I meet some people and they say, oh, I'm so grateful for this. And then say it. If you're so grateful for your spouse, say it. If you're so grateful for your children, say it. Don't just internalize it. Don't just be like, oh, my heart was so blessed. No, say amen if there's an amen. Shout if you need to shout. Clap if you need to clap. Say amen to your boss. Say a good thank you to your boss around the holidays when he gives you a bonus or if he doesn't. Say, hey, you're a great boss and I appreciate you. I used to have a boss that I couldn't, I, we did not get along well at all. But I just started to just, hey, write letters. Here's a little Starbucks gift card. Just want to let you know, praying for you. You know, I don't, I don't think you're a Christian, but just want to let you know you're doing a good job. All of a sudden, the relationship began to turn. Everything began to shift. You see why? Because I started being grateful, and I started to see it from his perspective. And it wasn't him who changed. Guess who actually changed? It may not be that your spouse needs to change. It may be that you need to change. Ooh. It may not be that your children necessarily need to change. Maybe you need to deal with your anger issues. Hmm. It's getting quiet. That's why I know the Holy Spirit's working. Amen. Hallelujah. We're having church. It's okay. We're going to have barbecue. We're going to feel good and happy and everything. This is why I had you hug each other at the beginning. You're going to need it a little bit later into the message. There's a method to my madness. You see, when we let God turn things, This is why in Proverbs, he says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. He said, hey, you know what? It's not that God I want so much because here's what I've learned. Sometimes when God gives us everything, we leave God and we're not grateful. And there are some times when we have nothing, we get upset at God because we have nothing and we leave God. So the writer of Proverbs said, God, just keep me in the middle. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. Just give me exactly what I need. Exactly what I need just to keep me faithful. Some of us, we're looking for God to change the circumstances so we'll be more grateful. But God is saying, no, 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 I've I've given you everything you need to fill in the gap with gratitude. You see, I've noticed that as goodness increases, gratitude usually decreases. And so this morning we're saying, you know what? I want to help and grow in gratitude. My children, I'm trying to train them to be grateful. But I noticed I fell into a, a, a terrible pattern where I was trying to get them to be grateful. So what I would do was, and this is very unhealthy, don't do this. I would buy them bigger and bigger gifts because it was hard to make them grateful. So you would try to make something really big so they'd be extra grateful. Because I was like, oh, one toy is not enough. Let's give them five toys. What was I creating? I was creating a gratitude gap. Yeah. Some of us think, God, if you just dumped all the blessing on me, I'd be so grateful. Are your children? No, they're not. It creates more entitlement. We feel more entitled. And I realized what I was created in my children. We used to tell them, oh, for your birthday, we're going to do this, we're going to do this and this. And I told my wife, we've got to stop telling them. And we're just going to do one thing. And my wife came up with a brilliant plan. She was like, guess what? For their birthday, they're going to get presents, but they only get to open one a month. I was like, it's brilliant. Christmas shopping was never easier. I just brought up their birthday presents. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I saved some money. And they were so grateful every month. Why? Because all at once, it was too much because it created this entitlement. You see, as we look at Daniel, his spirit made him special, but his spirit led him to be grateful. Let's stand as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as a church, as a country, as a nation to fill in the gap with gratitude. It's too easy to look at what we don't have and get ungrateful, but let's start focusing on what you have done for us at the country we have. And no, though it's not perfect and there's, there's lots of problems and lots of issues, God, help us to find the good and help us to be grateful for it. 
God, forgive us for getting up this morning. And we had a great experience. You gave us life and breath. You gave us breakfast and food in our stomachs. And God, we got up and too often we don't even give you praise and thanks. So Father, help us. Not just because it's Memorial Day, but every day. Every day should be a memorial of your goodness and your grace in our lives. Help us to look at the things that you've done and fill in that gap with gratitude. Whether the things are good or bad, that we're grateful. Father, I pray that you would bless as we seek you in gratitude. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.